What's up, everyone? Welcome to 2017 and RNFM Radio, episode 233. We are bringing it in with an amazing guest on today's show, and we'll get to him in a minute. But before I do, I just want to remind you all that we are part of the Pulse Media Network at pulsemedianetwork.com. We have got some shows that are being developed by the network, and then we have some shows coming into the network. So stay tuned over there, subscribe, or at least just pay attention over there. And then, of course, all the social platforms at Pulse Media. We would love for you to follow those as well so that you can stay in touch. And we'll have those links in the show notes and, of course, in the episode notes on the mobile apps rnfmradio.com forward slash episode 233. Now this guest, we, he and I, I mean, so you might notice as the show goes on that he and I are doing a lot of communication because very tech savvy guy. I mean, such a deep wealth of information and well, I'm just going to spoil it. So Craig Erickson of Keep It Real RN, he is with us today and we just go off on this tangent about tech and all kinds of other things. Oh, and even how to fold a fitted sheet. I mean, this man has a video on how to fold a fitted sheet made easy. You're going to have to check that one out. We'll have those links as well to that one. But just keep in mind that this conversation is going somewhere that we have on the show. And speaking of going somewhere, Craig, we're going to have him back on the show as a guest host on some hot topics that we have coming up in 2017. Because again, this guy has got some deep knowledge that he can share with the community. So we will be bringing him back. But speaking of bringing him back, I need to bring him in before I bring him back. So let's get into this one. Let's bring him into the show. Ready to rock! We're talking tech. Well, I don't know if we're talking tech today, but we're definitely talking to a very technical or tech savvy person today. I'm so, you know what? I am just blown away by the fact that we have this guy on this show with us today, blowing out 2017, pe- making people's ears bleed, but in a good way. So, tympanic membrane still intact, but this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but hey, Keith, Elizabeth, welcome back to, well, welcome to 2017. Glad we're all here. Thank you, sirs. Happy New Year. Yeah. And so, welcome. sirs, welcome to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> women included. Yes, women included. Yes. Okay, and that's sir. Sir and ma'am. Sirs and ma'am. Yeah, and so we've got this amazing, I wouldn't even call this like a guest kind of thing. Like I feel like he's just like he's hanging out with us because he always talks about like he's hanging out with a couple of friends. Oh, and I forgot to to um, to have like crack open a, a, a frosty beverage or something, you know, because we're always talking about having like a, I think he even Shh. said something. <laughs> Bloop, 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 bloop. Okay, that was <laughs> yeah. like a terrible sort of Darth Vader with a cold, and I don't even know what that was. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. thought it sounded pretty close. Not a sponsor. And hey, kids, if you're under 21, well, wait. Um, but anyway, so we actually have Craig Erickson here today with us, and this is amazing. I know he's been talking about getting on the show for a long time, but it's, 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 it's our fault. It's our fault, Craig. And, um, so you're here with us today. Well, thank you for having me on the show. It's like, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, the typical guest that you have on the show. Cause I don't have an advanced degree. I have never written a book. I'm just, I'm just a guy on the internet with an opinion <laughs> who happens to be a nurse and a techno nerd. Yeah. We just, we just found this guy. Yeah. We just found him. He's just laying around on the interwebs. He's just laying around on the interwebs. We just picked this guy up. I don't know who, who brought him home. I mean, seriously, it's, you know, it's always, it's been one of those things that's been on my bucket list ever since I started listening to the show. It's like, I gotta be on that show. 
well, and we, we it, again, it's so silly that we didn't even think, I know we had been talking online, but it is silly that we hadn't really been paying attention enough to, to get you on. It's not that we weren't paying attention. I think we were just distracted. We were just distracted, man. And we need to do more of this. And one of the things that obviously you and I were geeking out on the tech pieces uh, before we started recording the show, but there was definitely, and we can get to that later here or start with it, um, that that really kind of caught your attention is when we were talking about Radio Shack. And, you know, I think my love for Radio Shack and, and building those, like those radios just to see if you can, you know, talk through the thing, not even just receive information, but to actually uh, reach someone, even if it was just like next door. I mean, same thing with like walkie talkies. I remember having like Radio Shack walkie talkies. And, you know, now with podcasting, we're able to reach millions of people miles and miles away. I mean, you know, in other countries. I mean, I think RNFM Radio, we serve, I think where we reach almost 160 countries in the world, which is nuts. So, and then you were, we were kind of going back and forth on that whole Radio Shack thing that really kind of amped you up. But, you know, let's talk about like where you are with that tech piece. What does Radio Shack mean to you? Like, what are you doing out there on the interwebs and, and why are you doing it? Well, to me, Radio Shack as a kid, and I, I was a kid, I was a teenager in the 70s. And Radio Shack to me was a place you could go and, and get miscellaneous electronic components and build stuff. And I, I kind of got started inter- getting interested in radio back when I had the old 150 and one uh, electronic project kit. And I think I talked to you about that, that, you know, there was one of the projects was you could build an AM transmitter. And the range on that thing as it was, was probably about, 500 yards at the most. Right. But my friend and I, I had a friend that was as nerdy as I was about that stuff. And we were the type of people that always wanted to try to make it better. And so we played with different types of antenna configurations and that kind of thing. And we actually got this thing to the point where we could go like halfway down the block and still hear it and still hear the, uh, the transmitter. And one of the things that we did was, instead of having somebody live on the radio and the other guy walking down the street to see how far you could hear it is we learned how to run a line out of a, an old school cassette recorder. So we could pre-record our show and then run it into the transmitter and go walking down the block to see how far we could hear our show. Wait. I, okay. So you literally, that's, that's, I mean, right now we're pre-recording this podcast and then, by the time somebody's listening to it, like it's already been produced or at least recorded and then it's getting amplified out there. So, I mean, you really are like a pioneer. I mean, well before we were. And yeah, it was, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do, I think I talked about Elizabeth about that this when I was on her show is that when I was a kid, one of the things that I wanted to do is be a disc jockey. <laughs> That's right. You did. <laughs> nice. That's on my bucket list too, Craig. I still want to do that. So I'm, I'm working on it. I'm going to do it before I die. Now, now, not to, now, not to put you on the spot or anything, but I mean, do you still kind of try to do some impressions or, you know, act like that? Like whether you're just in the car by yourself and, you know, coming in hot at 95.7, this is, you know, something like that. Or, I mean, I'm not trying to ask, yeah, I don't want to ask you to do that, but do you still kind of dream about doing that? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because when, when I do videos on YouTube, 
when the camera goes on, mm-hmm. I kind of, I find myself doing that voice sort of not, not to the extreme that a disc jockey would be, but I, I go into that character yeah. when the camera's on and, or when I'm like, when I'm doing this, I, I, I'm really not talking in my normal conversational tone of voice, as you can tell, because I got the microphone in my face and there's just something about having the microphone in your face that does something to you. And the funny thing is, is I teach classes at work too sometimes. And I find myself slipping into that character sometimes when I'm up there teaching. And it's like, I really kind of have to hold it back a little bit. Right. And I think one, well, I think that may be a, a formula of why, we sound like that. And and I, I would agree with what you're saying because I've been at a grocery store sometimes and someone will say like, boy, you should really be on the radio because I'm, I'm, I'm in some kind of mode or I just got off a phone call. And as I'm talking to someone, they're like, wow, you've got this like really weird voice going on right now. But you're right. Like when you shove the mic in front of, like I, I'm the same way. I get the mic in front of my face and it's, it's like it, it, a switch goes on. And you know, I'll have people ask me like, how do you change your inflection or how do you, how do you modify that? And I don't even think that I, I know that I do it, but I don't know how I do it. I just do. I think it's a natural thing we all do. And Kevin, you and I, when we started out, I think if we listened back and I know we don't want to (laughs) listen back to those early episodes, my ears um, would bleed. Yeah, they would bleed. But I think something happens and something has happened for us over the years and Elizabeth, you too. So you know, those of us who've entered into the podcasting world, especially people like me and Craig, who always wanted to be disc jockeys, it gives us the chance to fulfill some of that. And something does happen. And it is hard to explain, isn't it? No, I, I totally agree. Elizabeth, do you know what we're talking about? I mean, do you feel the same way? Are you on your way to work thinking like, oh, how can I perfect my radio voice? Of course, maybe you don't come in with that much bass. <laughs> yeah, I was... I. I... <laughs> I can understand what you all are describing. However, I don't talk a lot. I guess, okay, I'm very introverted, which people would be like, what? I don't believe you. Uh, You stand in front of, you know, hundreds of people all the time. It's, Mm -hmm. that is me. I understand what you're saying. Like, I feel like I'm on stage and I used to be a dancer. So when I'm giving a talk um, or doing a video, like I pretend I'm in front of, the stage like the lights are up and the camera's on but i don't really feel or i hear a change in my voice i guess i don't know because i don't talk much outside of that really i would say (laughs) i mean you've got a great radio voice (laughs) Uh you do i guess i hope i'm glad thank you (laughs) but no i don't like it's not a change in voice so right maybe because i keep my voice you know i really rest it i don't talk a lot and then when i get on the air it's like here we are you know so I mean, for me, it's not, it's not really like something that I consciously do, you know, it's just that, you know, you put a microphone in front of my face or you put a camera in front of my face or even on the phone. Like, you know, when I pick up the phone at work and ask, okay, this is Craig speaking, may I help you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's what about, well, how about this, Craig? You, you, you probably are the best, you are not probably, I know for a number one fact that you are best proponent of using our speak pipe and leaving us messages and we play them on air and you listen to our podcast. And so when you leave the speak pipe message, do you think that comes through too? In that oh, abs- regard? absolutely. I, I've, okay. 
I've actually one time uh, when I left a message on a speak pipe and I really wanted to do something fancy and I ended up having pre-recording it and mixing it down and trying to figure out how to directly feed it into the speak pipe. You're kidding. Oh, oh my God. That explains. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that would actually be me. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't sound right. I've actually got to record this into my studio mic, into the handheld and then figure out how to upload the file. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. So cut from the same cloth, it sounds like. Sure so. sounds that way. Now, Craig, you're now you're actively are you you're actively working in the ICU? Well, actually, uh I worked in the ICU I in for for almost almost 30 years. Okay. Most of it was in CVICU too, uh but for the last 3 years or so, I've been working in a an area at my hospital we call enhanced critical care or uh, EICU, which is actually a trademark. I can't really say that, but uh, what it, it's a trademark by the Phillips corporation, by the way. Um, but what it is, is it's like, a, it's like a virtual ICU and we sit down in front of a, a big bank of computers and we provide intensivist services to, um, seven other hospitals that are part of our health system. So it's, it's really techie. It's a lot of fun. You get to use your, um, your knowledge, your nursing knowledge, as well as some technical skills. And it's a lot of fun, man. That sounds great. So, so you're doing it. So you're saying you're doing it virtually. So what's the communication like? I mean, is there communication through these portals through like, how, how does that happen? I mean, right. Well, what happens is we get uh, a feed of all kinds of data from from the site. So whatever is going into your bedside monitor mm -hmm. gets fed my way. So I get, you know, a continuous feed of vital signs and that kind of stuff from your monitor. And the system crunches those numbers and it has algorithms that you know, show patients that are showing signs of sepsis, et cetera, et cetera. And essentially what we do is we filter, we're human filters for data, uh, looking at the stuff that really means something and, and disregarding stuff that doesn't. But when we have to communicate, we can do it in several different ways. I mean, sometimes we can do it by phone to the nurse, but we also have high def cameras mm -hmm. that we can do like a, like a high def Skype session in the patient's room. So Craig, I just want to, I want to get clear on this, that, so you're working in a, in an office space with some colleagues and you have feeds coming in from how many different ICUs? We have, uh, two hospitals in Wisconsin mm -hmm. and I think we have five, no, we have, yeah, two in Wisconsin, four in Minnesota, and then we have one site in Georgia. Wow. And so okay. if you, if, if all of the beds in those places are full, I think that, tops out at about 78 and there are two of us on. So we split those in half so we can have up to, you know, 30 some sites that we're, we're each individually. Wow. Dealing with. Wow. Definitely not what I was thinking, Craig. It, at first I was like, okay, wait, you're like looking at the patient and then are you uh, using technology to titrate up or wean or like you, do you actually have like direct, well, not direct, but indirect or maybe direct through virtual means uh, control over certain things. But I mean, it doesn't sound like that that's it. Cause I mean, 
you know, come in and, hey, Mrs. Smith, we're at the number 26 on the top 40 here. We're going to be titrating up on your leave of Fed just for a moment here. You might feel a little. <laughs> well, you, well, you know what, though? The thing is that that something like that is in reality is probably not that far. Away, right. That's know? what I was thinking. I mean, because That's what I was thinking. because the, the, the new pumps they have now, you know, are can interface electronically. So there is there is no technical reason why that that isn't possible. But uh, we I, I interface with the with the nurses on the sites a lot, and and part of our part of our daily routine, if you're working the day shift, or if you work in the night shift, is every day at the beginning of your shift, you'll camera into every single room, and uh, I you know I can talk to the patients, I can talk to the nurses in the room, and again, I find myself you know if I have an alert and oriented patient and some family members and stuff like that, and I sense I have an audience. <laughs> Uh-oh. Sometimes You're I on slip, stage. I slip into this <laughs> radio thing a little bit, you know. Oh man, that's got to be trippy. Live though. from the studio. So Craig, wait, you I've been in this bed for like a week. My hair's all messed. No, no, sorry, you're not live. You know, on the, it's like, Craig, you can even you can talk to the patients and the families in the rooms too. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah, they have they have a like a big twenty seven inch monitor in the room. They can see me and I can see them and. And uh, when I explain to them what I'm doing there, it's like, my name is Craig. I'm one of the nurses here at Enhanced Critical Care. We're high atop the uh, the uh, Eisenberg building overlooking the cityscape of Rochester, Minnesota. Wow. Oh, wow, man. Wow. No, I mean, this that's and you even had that like radio thing going on just when you were explaining that. So this is Casey Kasem. <laughs> we're coming in at the 26 here. I mean, you, you had it going on. So I'm sure you could you could definitely freak a lot of people out, but in a good way, in a good way. So. I've never really heard about this. I'm I'm definitely gonna have to look this up. But what's kind of funny though is that the younger people are really not quite as blown away by it because they they just see it as a giant Skype session, you know. But some, the older people, they're like, "Wow, look at that!" Mm-hmm. You know, right, right. Now, I mean, speaking of which, I mean, as far as generational, um, I mean, do you have some of the the younger and uh, when I say younger meaning chronologically, you know, speaking like age wise. I mean, do you have people who are very interested in, in some of that tech savvy that you have? I mean, you know, my kiddos, my oldest is in, in middle school. I've got three boys. And so, I mean, they're, they're brought up in tech. I mean, that's all they, they really know. I mean, even my son who goes to middle school, he has an iPad. All of his work is done on this iPad. Um, you know, he doesn't bring home books. He brings home the iPad. And that's how he functions. And so that's that's the world he lives in. But I mean, do you have people even, you know, that are much younger than you that are still fascinated by your knowledge and your skill set and what you're actually doing? And and I mean, do you still feel like you have something to offer them, even though like they're just marinating in all this tech? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of them, they're, they're, they know their way around a computer. They know their way around an iPad and that. Mm-hmm. But they, they, a lot of them don't have a lot of knowledge getting under the hood. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, I love building computers and I love hardware. I'm not really much of a software guy, but I love hardware. Right. And so like my, my son, my son is really into video games and stuff like that, but he's not interested in, you know, building a computer, knowing how they work and that kind of, he loves using them and he's good at it, but he really doesn't have much interest in getting under the hood, taking them apart and putting them together again. Right. Well, and I mean, 
you know, I, I think my kids are probably the same, same way. And part of it too is maybe just kind of where we were. I used to build computers as well. Um, and, and I think today we've now become more of a disposable, um, hardware, uh, society where you get an iPad or you get, you know, some, or, an, or say a tablet or a smartphone and, you know, it's got great tech, but tech is moving so quickly and then you end up trading that in or recycling it or whatever, you know, after a year or two. And then you've moved on to the next thing. Like the upgradable parts are becoming harder to upgrade, you know, so exactly. it's very niche now to, to exactly. build a computer anymore. So, Well, one fun thing I was able to do um, with my audio snobbery, that's <laughs> where, uh, where I work, um, we were having some issues with, with audio at some of our sites and the, and the um, interfaces they had in the rooms were, were running too hot and the audio was clipping and it was really hard to understand the people at the remote sites. And so we ended up uh, dealing with the vendor of our stuff and they had a couple of engineers that came to the site or came to our site to see what they could do about it. And nobody that I work with really understands anything about audio. And so it's like they, they understood that it sounded bad, mm -hmm. but they could never explain to you why does it sound bad? Whereas I could, it was like, to me, as I told them, it's like, this, this sounds like it's clipping. And if anybody has heard a, an audio file that's clipping, you know exactly what it sounds like. And so what I had the opportunity to work with these engineers and trying to resolve this problem, and I kind of, I, I referred to it as being, you know, somebody who could translate nurse speak to geek speak and geek speak, geek speak back to nurse speak. Again. <laughs> right. Well, that's why I think that's why you and Kevin connect so much around these issues. And then here, here Elizabeth and I are who, you know, we use some of the tech, but neither of us, Elizabeth, I'm not trying to speak for you, but I just understand that you and I both are not the kind to like, take our phone apart and figure out how it all works. We just, we just want to use it and make sure that it works. Right. <laughs> Y'all should be pleased. I have one. Right. I was we just thinking, pleased. gosh, uh, Craig, I need you when I get a guest on my podcast, which has happened now twice. And recently it just, it was like two weeks ago. She comes on. It sounds awful. And I was like, I know this sounds bad. It's going to be bad. You know, it, we spent about 25 minutes even trying to fix it. And I had another call coming up. I was like, Oh my God, we're not going to do it. She finally fixed it sort of to where I thought it was, but I just saw an email from my um, editor. It was like, it's awful. Here's a clip. And like, I don't know if you want me to go through with it. And I'm like, ah, oh, if I could only have had you there in that moment to tell me what was wrong. Like there was nothing either one of us could do. And now I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to pre-record or re-record. But yeah, like Keith's saying, I, I'm enjoying the conversation and enjoying listening to it. <laughs> well, what, you know... <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, Craig, in your experience, because you've worked in the ICU and now you do this virtual ICU work, which is, is mind-blowing to me, I've got to say, because I've never heard of anything quite this advanced. I'm wondering, you know, obviously you interface with nurses of different generations, and we've got three generations on tap right now. We've got the, the boomers, the Gen Xers, and the millennials, and there'll be another generation coming along not long from now. So... What are the differences you're seeing and are you seeing various, obviously you're seeing various levels of acceptance and people willing to, I don't know, put in the sweat equity to learn how stuff works. So do you find yourself sometimes having to be a cheerleader and kind of helping people to realize that they have to learn these things or how it might help their career if they learn this stuff? 
Right. I think you brought up a good thing there. That, Thank you. Um, in the ICU, mm-hmm. you know, and especially nowadays, you know, because I, I do spend a little bit of time in, in the real ICU still just to keep my uh, skills up and so I have some street cred. And, you know, I think a lot of people reach a certain age where they it becomes a little bit harder to learn a new piece of equipment. And I don't even know if it's because it's harder, but you just become a little bit less willing to do it. And the pace of change with technology in nursing is changing so much all the time. There's always a new piece of equipment or new this or that coming out or a new feature that, you know, you're getting something new thrown at you every couple of three months. Uh, The young people tend to pick up on that really quickly and especially with like the EMRs and that kind of thing. I, I don't think there is such a thing as a user-friendly EMR. I mean, even the best ones are pretty bad, uh, but the young people, they tend to be able to pick up on that stuff rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas the older people, it takes a little bit more effort. And I have to say that when I started working in enhanced critical care, I had to learn a lot of new software programs. And when we went through the classes None of that means anything to me when I sit in a classroom learning how to use a piece of software. I have to actually use it in order for anything to stick. But a lot of the younger people were able to remember and retain stuff from the classroom. And whereas I would say, well, God, I can't remember how to do this. And they would remember from the classroom, oh, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And is that is that because many of them are digital natives where those of us of, you know, the different ages, the four of us are, aren't digital natives and we've had to adapt and adopt to, you know, all of this, all these changes that have come down. I think that's part of it is that, that the millennials have had computers in their lives ever since they can remember. Mm-hmm. I had my, I had my first, I got my first computer when I was about 31 or 32 years old. Me too. And I, I remember, you know, looking at it and have not having a clue what to do. I mean, how to open a file or what is a file? What is a directory? What is a fold? You know, not knowing what any of that stuff was and having to learn it all from scratch. Whereas young people, they've known it all their lives. Right. Mm -hmm. They have, they have. And, you know, I, and I was trying to think, I can't remember. I didn't have a computer growing up as a child, uh, we were just kind of too broke anyway, but I, I know that uh, I had neighbors, you know, with Commodore 64s. And then, you know, when computers really kind of started coming in, I mean, they all had like old Macs and things like that, like the was it the Mac, like one or two, something like that. And then, you know, eventually I started to get into computers, mostly when I think I was in college. I mean, I was in college when, you know, the internet was really starting to kind of happen, you know, like email, like, wait a minute, you mean I can send somebody a message, you know, that's sitting right next to me and like, well, no, you can actually send somebody a message that's like across the world, you know, from you. But you are definitely someone who seems to to want to teach, want to inform, want to, you know, to, to get people to where they need to be tech wise for sure. And of course you're making YouTube videos. I mean, you've got a YouTube channel. So what, what is it, like what's the platform there? Like what's your voice? Like what are you trying to do over there? And like what could we find over there on YouTube? Okay. Well, I'm still trying to find my voice over there. Yeah. And uh, so what I've done is I think I've done almost, 
I've done about 40 videos now so far. And I've tried to dabble in different things. And I'm not really sure exactly who my audience is or what I'm trying to go for. Because one thing I know for sure is that my audience is not really the nursing student type people, which is the largest amount of people out there. And there are a lot of people out there that are very successful at getting, you know, reaching that audience. Mm -hmm. But it's like, but it's like, I look at that as like, you know, what are they interested? They're in, how do I pass NCLEX and all that stuff? And it's like, you know what, for me, that's been so far in the rear view mirror that I don't even remember it. Right. And I can't really help you. So uh, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is figure out, okay, who, who is really interested in my stuff and kind of trying to tailor to that. I've tried some different things. I've, I've got a couple of, uh, I've got, uh, a series called My Nursing Story that I do. And basically what I'm doing is I'm talking about my career from the very beginning and it's probably going to run 30, 40, 50 episodes. And what I'm doing is like maybe 10 minutes at a time, you know, telling my nursing story, telling how to more than just my story, but how did, how did it feel? What was I thinking at the time? And, and those kinds of things. So that's, that's one of the things I do an episodes of, uh, ask me anything. Mm -hmm. So people will, will write in and ask questions. And so um, I, I'm doing a series on that where I just pick a few questions at random and I answer those. Um, I think, what the heck else? I have another one too. Um, you play the <laughs> guitar. A, yeah, I've done that. I've done that. Uh, those I've watched. I've enjoyed those. <laughs> That was funny. That was, you know, uh, there was one I threw out there. I think uh, the song I did, I, I did a Rolling Stones song. Uh, you can't, That's no, right. you can't always get what you want. And it's like, you know what? I thought, you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there and see what happens. I'm going to do one take, right. whether I mess it up or not. And it's going out there. Right. That's what I remember. Very good. I enjoyed it because I love the band. But anyway, I enjoyed it because you were doing your own rendition. So great job. I think, you know, Craig, you mentioned something as far as, and we've said this time and time again, and, you know, RNFM Radio, I think we're trying to, to refocus our position uh, and, and to bring this back into more of an entrepreneurial mindset is that I think sometimes being a nurse and then wanting to, to step out and do something, we talk about these side hustles because a lot of nurses are, they have their main gig and then they've got these side hustles that they want to get back in, you know, that they want to get into, whether it's just... Mm -hmm. An intrinsic, like it just fills their emotional cup. They want to do it just because they like to do it, or maybe they want to do it to monetize it someday or to offer information, whatever. But I think an occupational hazard with nurses is that they're, we are so diverse. We are, there's so many of us out there to your point. You're right. I mean, it might even almost be like attorneys. Like, are there more people in law school than they're actually practicing attorneys um, or are they, you know, about the same, but, you know, we know the nursing workforce is huge, but we know that the student nurse body is even bigger. And, you know, I, I do think that that can be problematic for nurses who are trying to tap into a passion of theirs or a skill set of theirs, but then trying to really feel like who is their target market? Who is their, who's the niche or, you know, cause we always talk about the riches being in the niches. Um, and so I think your, your pain points are what a lot of pain points, uh, people are having. But I like what you're saying is that this is almost like a vlog style, this series that you're going to do, you said maybe 40 or 50 episodes. And I think people can really relate to, to something like that where you're really sharing your experience because I think that also offers some validation, you know, that maybe 
I'm feeling very similar to you, to you or what's going on with you uh, in your career. And so I, I, I hope you can find that niche, but I think as long as you're having fun, I'd say keep going with it until you figure out how you can distill down your actual target audience. Cause it is challenging, I think for many of us. Yeah. And I think, I think the key is, and this is something that I'm going to try to accomplish here in 2017 is that in order to generate an audience or to get an audience, you have to put out content on a regular basis. And that's something I really failed at heavily in 2016. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I want to do is I want to get my workflow down so that I can get something out at least once a week. That's right. Great. And is that, and it, that seems feasible because you, I, I assume you work full time or, I mean, do you work like a, like three twelves or is it more like of a 40 hour work week? Like where it's like four, uh, five, four or five eights or something like that. I don't even think we asked about that. So like, but you're actually, well, no, go actually ahead. it's interesting that you brought that up because, um, my wife graduated from nurse practitioner school a couple of months ago. Oh, congratulations to her. When she, yeah. And when she, um, and when she started doing that, she wanted to work full time. Mm-hmm. And so in order to make that happen, I had to drop down to part time, mm-hmm. oh. which actually really makes it nice as far as having more time to do what I want to do. It's just a matter of I am really horrible with time management. And that's one of the things that that I really enjoy about your show is because you you guys spend some, you know, some episodes on time management and and distractions and that kind of thing. And that's something that I really need to overcome because I'll go into the day, you know, with this to-do list in my head. And I think part of the problem is that to-do list is only in my head. It's not on paper. It's not hardware, hardwired anywhere. And I find myself spinning my wheels all day. And then at the end of the day, I've got nothing accomplished. Right. right. You should talk to Elizabeth. She's got like sheets on steroids. Well, yeah, she'll, well I was going to send you some spreadsheets. I was going to say, I know. I love spreadsheets and we could talk about other ideas, which it's a great idea for a future episode. But I was thinking you did successfully complete your month of December. I'm, I follow what you're doing in our nursing blog support groups and such. So can you talk to us a little bit about that for the audience in terms of what did you do in December related to your blog? How did it go? And then, you know, what did you learn from it? Because you don't need to, you know, put something out every single day, as many of people will tell you. Um, but I guess it, it was a good practice to kind of, what did you learn about your particular routine? Like, how are you going to go forward then this year? Well, that's, I'm glad you asked, because one of the things I did this uh, last year was I did a series of blogs called Blog Every Day in December. And the first thing I did in order to make this thing happen is you have to make a public announcement to somebody or to some people. And, uh, Sean Dent was, was a big cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so what I did was I, I wrote a blog every day and there were days that I, you know, I worked a 12 hour shift and I had to come home and, and get ready for the next day. And I had to write a blog and publish it. And there were times I didn't feel like doing it. There were times that I sat down and I had no idea what I was going to write about. And what's funny is like, there was a time, one of the times I felt like that, I ended up writing a four-part series about a doorknob, believe it or not, right? Four consecutive <laughs> blogs about a doorknob. But um, but one thing I learned is that 
when you commit yourself to doing something every day, and I wanted to throw in the towel on this many, many times, but if you commit yourself to doing something, you find a way to get it done. Now, if anything you do every day like that, it's not going to always be good. And the one thing that I learned from that is that, okay, the threshold for good enough on a daily thing like that has got to be pretty low, you know? It's got to, you know, it, I, I'll correct the spellings and that kind of thing, but as far as, like, proofreading it and that kind of thing too many times, no, it's not going to happen. I have to write it, and it's got to go. And so one of the things I learned is I, I learned a workflow for being able to get this done. And some of these blogs I wrote in 30 minutes or less. Uh, and the one thing I learned, too, about that is that Good blog does not necessarily take a long time to write. Some of your best ones you can write quickly because it's it's there and you just got to get it down. I agree. I totally agree with that statement. Well, and I think I think one of the things that that we're really talking about here too is you're having a conversation. So, is it are you going to be like Mashable or Engadget or um, HuffPost or something like that? Or are we having a, like, are we actually trying to have a conversation with someone? So I'm not saying like if you spend an hour, hour and a half on your blog that is totally going to stink and you're not having a conversation, but it sounds like you just made a point to say, I'm just going to have a conversation with people. Like I'm the one writing it, but I'm hoping to be able to engage people online because it's, it's got this particular flow that I might have, like for me, I, I write like I have a conversation. That's exactly how I write, which isn't necessarily like if, if someone were come in to look at my sentence structure and the flow of the conversation, they may be like, dude, you totally suck at this, but it's just how I am. I can help you I mean, with that's that, just, Kevin. Right. But, but for you, it sounds like, I don't know. I mean, what kind of engagement did you, did you see a little bit more engagement during that time? And, and what has that really done for you because you were able to commit to something like that? And will you do it again? I don't think I would uh, attempt the daily blogs again uh, because, like I said, it was, it was a bit too much and I was happy when it was over. Right. Uh, the, the plus side, though, is I have 31 pieces of material that at some point in time, I'm going to go look at again and I can probably refine them and actually make them better and, and post them as a legitimate real blog. Whereas like you were saying, it, it, it was kind of like a conversation because I looked at it as kind of an extended status update as it were. It's like, what am I thinking about right now? Because when you do a blog every day, you don't have time to like do all kinds of research, you know, and, and give people, you know, do footnotes and that kind of thing. You just write a few paragraphs about what am I thinking about right now? Right. It's kind of like the cliff notes version of whatever's really up for you on that particular day. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what was I? Oh, and I saw in, in talking about sort of being spread and, and, and not having this niche really locked down, I, I too, and I think Elizabeth and I were talking about this earlier, um, just, just sort of about like how diverse we really are. And I don't, I don't think we already mentioned it on the show, but you actually have a video titled How to Fold a Fitted Sheet Made Easy. And I just see that you have a ton <laughs> of views. And the funny thing is, I have 
some similar videos like on a different channel that have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views. And I'm like, God, that was such a silly video, but people are finding value in it. Uh-huh. It has nothing to do with healthcare or nursing. No, it, it's funny because, you know, the, the fitted sheet video that came about because <laughs> one day, one day I wanted to learn how to fold a fitted sheet. And so I scoured the internet looking for resources that would help me learn how to do this. Yeah. And I watched, of course, I typed in the Google search or YouTube search, how to fold a fitted sheet. And, you know, I watched the first five videos that came up and every single one of them fell short in one way or another. I got to a stage in the fitted sheet folding where it's like, oh, what the heck did you do? I, I, can't, I didn't see that. You know, you did it too fast. And, and I saw that there was a need out there for people like me. For somebody right. to take it slow, show you the front and back, explain exactly what I was doing. And again, it was one of those things that I had no idea was going to take off. And uh, I, 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 and I did the video, of course, in my, in my radio voice, which is kind of funny. <laughs> that, that's what, that's what the winner was right there. <laughs> uh, I know. No, but. I, well, I'm, I'm watching it that, right now. I mean, I'm, I don't hear the audio. I have it muted and stuff. But the way that you're doing it is like, because I, I hadn't seen this before, but this is very vlog style. This is very like, it's very intimate. It's in your home. You're, you're telling people about a frustration that you have about fitted sheets. We all have a frustration about a fitted sheet. Mm-hmm. So, and I think maybe you were able to connect with your audience on something yeah. that everybody is so like, we just ball it got, up and throw it in the, in the I linen was gonna closet. Say, I better watch it. Cause I just ball mine up <laughs> just so y'all know. But I love it. I think we all do that. Don't we? <laughs> right. That video, I, I still get uh, at least two or three comments a day. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and most people are like, thank you. Thank you. I, I watched like, of course they, they first, they watch the, the video that pops up the first and then they watch Martha Stewart and then they watch me. And when they get to me, they go, I watched the the first two videos and I couldn't figure it out. And then I watched yours and I could do it. Right. Well, and, and the whole, uh, say cinematography or, but the way you had the camera set up, you even had a camera. It looked like you had a camera inside of the dryer as you were pulling uh, right. the sheets out, like the jump cuts and everything that you have, all the editing. And I, I don't want to get too technical because I know everybody's like, what, what? But like, even that's like really fun. I mean, it is really fun. And, and we'll link I, to it in the show notes too. Definitely, so, yeah. definitely. So well, what's funny is like when I set out to do that video, I did a little bit of research on how to do a how to do something video. And the first thing that you need to do, if you're doing a video teaching somebody how to do something, and this would even apply to to nursing stuff if you were going to teach nursing stuff, is first of all, you have to state the problem, and second of all, why do you want to learn how to do this? How will your life benefit from learning how to do this? And you know, it's kind of funny when I did that video, I said, well, when your neighbors come over for a, for a party or whatever, and they're snooping in your linen closet, you could be the envy of the block. <laughs> right. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> no. Well, you know, and Craig, that's the thing. I mean, you're a nurse and you've been a nurse for a long time. And obviously we know after speaking with you, uh, you may have chosen a different career path. Although I think at any age, no matter where you are in your career and in your life. And it sounds like this is kind of what you're doing and you wouldn't necessarily pick being a professional fitted sheet folder, but 
we would assume that you would have picked a different career path. Although I'm sure you like being a nurse, but you also like all of this tech that we're talking about. So, I mean, if, if you had it to do all over again, what would you do? Well, if I had it to do all over again, I would have pursued a career probably in like being an audio engineer of some kind. The, the thing was, is that I was never really great with math. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it if I have uh, something to apply it to. Because when I was a kid, I was a ham radio operator too. And so we had to, you had to learn some basic electronics and some basic math and take some tests to get different levels of licenses and that kind of thing. So if you put algebra and geometry and that kind of stuff into a contextual setting, contextual mm-hmm. setting, as it were, then it makes sense. But in the abstract, uh, you know, in the classroom, when they just give you problems to solve, to me, it, it makes absolutely no sense. And when I initially was looking at careers, uh, I wanted to do something with electronics engineering or audio engineering, that kind of thing. And I realized that I was competing with people who were way nerdier than I was mm-hmm. and that at best I might be average at it. And when I got out of high school, I had a job as, I don't know if any of you guys remember orderlies in the hospital. Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I, I, I was an orderly at the hospital. That was my very first job out of high school. And there were some guy nurses, not very many, but there was a, there was a handful of, of guy nurses. And they were like in their mid to late 20s. And they seemed so cool and so together to me. And that was really what kind of opened up my eyes to nursing. I never would have thought about it before had I not had that opportunity to work in the hospital as an orderly and actually see it. So that was kind of like the the eye opener, the turning point that got me going on the nursing thing. Right. And I, and I kind of, that's what we talk about a lot too is because going back to, are there more nursing students or or individuals out there who want to become a nurse who see this as such, you know, like this glorious profession. And then you have like the other half are like, no, no, you know, my back is sore. Um, I'm either losing weight or I'm gaining weight or I'm not taking care of myself. And, and I think that, you know, there are, there are, there's still a small group of us out here. When I say small, I mean, still it's large, but you know, we're really trying to say like, you can make this career what you want. And Mm -hmm. the fact that you're doing this very niche you know, ECC thing. Um, that's really exciting to me. Uh, I, I think that, that it, it leaves hope for people as long as you are able to pivot or have your head on a swivel enough to, to be aware of, okay, you know, I'm putting in my time here, I'm getting some experience, but this might not be my, my every day or my everything or my all, like I want to, I want to pivot into something else. And, and then that might be the advantage, not necessarily an occupational hazard, but, but a benefit of being able to pivot into something that you truly enjoy doing and is, is aligned with, with your skill set outside of nursing. Well, the thing with nursing is that I always tell people it's a great springboard to something else if you want to use it as that. And you know, it provides you a chance to make you know, a decent living. It gives you a chance to network with people. It gives you an incredible opportunity to hold your customer service skills. And so there's a whole lot of, of things you learn from nursing besides just, you know, 
the medical part of it that you can use uh, for something else. And plus, like I said, it gives you some level of security too. As you're pursuing something else, the nice thing about nursing is that you can kind of wean yourself off of it as your side hustle gets increases if that's what happens. And you can do that and minimize the amount of risk that you have in life. Hmm. Right. Well, and I think coming in, in helping your side hustle, you need to connect more with Elizabeth because she's really good at helping you become more accountable and putting you uh, on the spot like she's done with me. And that's how we kind of got our Pulse Media Network launched. Is she basically, we were at the NNBA conference and, um, you know, it's... Start telling people. Yeah, <laughs> she was like, come on. She was like, Get a date, come on, Halloween, right. Halloween. You know, because we were still kind of like, like, oh, I don't know. It could be like the fall, late fall. Could it be winter? And then finally she just she just did it. So um, she helped us become accountable uh, to launch the network. So what would be some things that you could leave the listeners with as far as like, are you going to be, how are you going to be changing in 2017 to make yourself more accountable? You said you have a little bit more time now that your your wife is is working full time. You're scaling things back. So are there a couple of tools that you'll be implementing, you think, to keep yourself accountable? Well, you know, what I need to do is start becoming a list person. And I think one of the keys to being, to having a productive day, and I think you guys have mentioned this on the show many, many times, is the night before is to review the upcoming day. What what do I want to accomplish? And you have a list or a spreadsheet or whatever it is that works. And, I find that if if I fail to do that and I wake up in the morning and I have no idea what I'm going to do with my day, that's when the day goes haywire and I spin my wheels and get nothing done. So uh, one of the big things that I plan on doing is, is to the night before, figure out what I want to get accomplished, make some kind of a basic timeline of how much time I'm going to spend on each thing. Now, one of the interesting things, and I don't, Remember, if you guys have talked about this before, but let's say you have, you know, a list of things you want to do and you allocate a certain amount of time for each one. If you're not finished with the first task within the amount of time, do you stop where you are and move on to task number two? Or do you finish it and take and hope that you catch up by the end of the day? I'm not sure which uh, technique works the best, but maybe you guys can chime in there. Well, well, yeah, uh, I was going to say, I certainly could chime yeah, in. tell us. <laughs> well, I think in my opinion, it's, it's going to be very individualized. Like if you're in a serious flow of that task and you're close to finishing, you've got some adrenaline, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm on this epiphany. Like I would stick with it. However, in my opinion, on my end, what I do is if I allocated one hour to something and the timer's up, then I'm going to let it go because my brain can't focus on something for too long. So like, okay, I'm going to focus on blogs for three hours. I'm going to focus on social media for one hour. And I literally would recommend people set a timer when it goes off, say, okay, that's great for today. I got that done because you can always put, carry that over to the next day. I mean, there's some stuff that's going to take longer time. And then again, back to my initial kind of disclaimer, if you've got some real momentum and this thing's almost done and you're so excited and you're super jazz and it's, yeah, like, then you'd have to make an executive decision and continue on. But I like the timer method. So I would say, you know, the timer's up. You did great work. Clap yourself on the back, go for a walk and come back and start the next thing. 
Yeah, that's my opinion. No, it's it's. I think it really is. You subjective. all are silent. Oh no, no, Jesus! I have nothing else to say. No, I was thinking because for me, uh, you know, to to Craig's point, like, do are you are you in such a groove? You're like, oh my gosh, if I try to pivot right now, I, it's almost like jumping out of a moving car. Like I'm gonna bang myself up along the way. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. Yeah. About- yeah. You got to kind of go individualize. However, yeah. it's, if it's something more r- like route, like it's like, okay, I'm going to do this every day anyway. Why not just keep it with the time you allotted? And then, you know, you're going to know you're going to keep with that a couple other days that week. Maybe you get better at time management. So like maybe if you keep running over that hour, maybe you say, all right, well, maybe I need to give myself a little bit more time. Oh, certainly. I would learn. So I would learn from that. If if you notice that you say one hour, one hour a day on, I'm just making this up, one hour a day networking in my Facebook groups, but you're always in there for two hours, then I would change that. But yeah, you have to kind of be observant as you're doing all this too. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you at multitasking, Keith? Or do you have oh, a I, list and do you try to stick to it throughout the day? I do fairly well. I do have, gosh, I have a whiteboard here that I have some of my deadlines on. I use a Zendu to uh, to keep track of a lot of my to-dos. And I can stay fairly focused, though. You know, it's this 21st century world of, you know, you like this, you tweet this, you comment here. There's there's always something to distract you. And that's where, that's where I have my challenge. And that's where I need to become much more organized this year because I have a new consulting gig 20 hours a week and I really have to get myself get myself on track to, to not allow those interruptions. So maybe I need a little help from Elizabeth with a spreadsheet, but I actually already have enough spreadsheets to go around. Right. Well, hers are like five to 600 thread count. Why I mean, no? they are no, great. Well, <laughs> well, I meant, so this whole timer thing is nothing to do with a spreadsheet. No. It's mm-hmm. a timer and you close every single other thing because you're right. You do get distracted if your cell phone is sitting next to you and one of your things bings with a juicy notification that you have to look at right now. Exactly. You know, no. So yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, there's that, there's people talk, talk about the dopamine rush of, Oh, I got another like on Instagram. Oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. And that can really tear you away from the things you need to actually get done. So I might actually start using some of those apps that turn off, certain things on your computer while you're working so that you can't even look at those until the time is up. So I'm right. I'm definitely going to be looking at installing one of those apps on my computer this year because I think I need the help. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the take home too, and, and Craig may agree here because he and I, I'm sure could buy like all of this tech and all of this good stuff that maybe we would use it for, you know, one project down the road. But ultimately what it comes down to is like all this technology I think plan on why it is you're purchasing it or why it is that you're using it and how you're going to use it because mm-hmm. you, you could have all of this great amplification and things to dial in, but it really, it's a, it's a tool and it's how you use the tool to get the things done. I mean, simply put, it's like a hammer. And so what are you going to do with that hammer? You're going to hit you know, yourself. You gonna exactly. You're going to hit yeah. yourself on I the mean, thumb tech, with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes technology, tech, tech and hardware and that kind of thing can become more of a distraction than an enhancer. Yeah. And the the one thing I'm trying to get with my uh, projects is to not let technology or hardware, that kind of thing get in the way of productivity. Um, And so I think I can just boil it down into just one, one word that's very low tech and doesn't cost you anything. And it's just one word called focus. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. 
Yeah, and I think I think whatever it is that, that can help you stay accountable to that focus, that's where you've got to, that's what you have to use. And so it's always good to kind of see like maybe what other people are using, but don't get so distracted by it because if something is working for you, if that hammer is helping you build whatever it is that you need to build, I think it's cool to stick with it, you know, but don't, you don't, don't feel like you have to add like all those extra tools in there um, just to get it done. Right. Man. And Craig, speaking, speaking of focus, you know, we know we want people to focus in on, on your vast presence on the internet or the interwebs, as Kevin says. And in the show notes, we're going to have links to keep it real rn.com. We also have your YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Are those all the places people can find you or are there other places too, where they should look around? That, I think that list is pretty inclusive. Those are the places that I frequent the most. I'm the type of person that I just don't have, I don't have a lot of time to spread myself around a little different places. So YouTube, um, Twitter, and, uh, (laughs) having a mental block, Instagram and (laughs) Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook. Those, those are pretty much the big four. You mean Sean Dent hasn't twisted your arm to join the Instagram revolution? No, he's on Instagram. I see. No, Craig's over yeah, there. Yeah, I'm on the. I, I think Sean Snapchat. Dent is, is the, he's the big Snapchat guy. Oh, I right, just, right. I tried Snapchat. Snapchat. I've tried Snapchat. I just yeah. don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me I neither. I like Instagram better. So do um, I. And especially because Instagram has a lot of the Snap features, it's almost like pointless to be over on Snapchat. Although there are plenty of people who would disagree with me. On and that. Elizabeth Scala is there, so you know, there's no other reason not to go. I know. There you go. I know. You can right. hang out there. Well, yeah, folks. So this this episode, actually, because this is going to be our next episode, well, you'll be listening to it, but uh, you'll find the show notes at rnfmradio.com forward slash episode 233. So can't believe, Craig. So this was on your bucket list, and not only the bucket it's list, done. but you smashed it in 2017. And this is not the last time we're, that you're going to be on the show. So I think we'll come up with something where we bring you on, you know, for some topic that we've really got to get into the nuts and bolts because we know that you'll be that nuts and bolts kind of guy. So anyway. sounds good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, All thank right. you so much, well, Craig. You've been, well, you've been yeah, wonderful. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Awesome, Craig. Well, Hey man, we'll chat. Uh, offline outside of the the podcast here very soon and and get all that stuff edited and yeah man we can't wait to uh, keep hanging out with you and uh, keeping it real with you all right mind blown I know mine was hopefully yours is not oozing out of your ears right now but hey if it is put it back in because you got to get on with your day we want to thank you for spending your time with us and that conversation that we had and again Craig is going to come back we like off the air we had some follow up conversations after we had recorded and realized, wow, we need to get him back on with us as a guest host to really dive in on some topics that we have coming up here in 2017. And we're really excited about it. And we're just really excited to be a part of this Pulse Media Network that we had launched uh, late last year in 2016. And it is really going strong now. And so we can't wait to keep sharing with you what's happening over there at the network, all these shows that are going to be coming out, all these partnerships. It is off the hook. Oh, and speaking of off the hook, leave us a message. You know, that SpeakPipe app on rnfmradio.com under the contact us section. If you want to leave us a voicemail, a voice message, head over to do that. I mean, follow us on the platforms, reach out to us, comments, questions, whatever you have, we love to bring those things on the show. 
And we haven't asked this in a while, but we would love for you to head over to iTunes and give us an honest rating and review over there for RNFM Radio because those ratings and reviews help us move up in those ranks because we are trying to get into more ears uh, of the of those listeners out there who we know would find some value in this show. And again, speaking of value, lots of changes happening around here. More value, deeper value, more fun too, of course. Not going to get all kinds of serious, but we are going to be providing you with deeper, richer content and value and some actionable steps. That's the big thing here in 2017 and beyond. So anyway, speaking of beyond, let's get out of this one. It was an amazing show. I know I had fun and hopefully you did too. So Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your time and attention. And we do hope that this new year in 2017, or whenever you're listening to this show, that your lives, your livelihood, your endeavors are totally rocking it. So go out and find that passion. Execute on those ideas, rinse, and repeat. And we'll see you back here with us again on our next episode of RNFM Radio. Radio.